curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Today, I have the very good fortune to be joined by the Vice President of Industry Supplier, the book company, Ronnie Wright. In her unparalleled career, Ronnie has held leadership positions not only in her day job, but also as an industry volunteer, ranging from her time at the Specialty Advertising Association of Greater New York, known as SAGNI the Regional Association Council, where she and I spent time together, PPAI, and last but not least, certainly the Promotional Products Education Foundation, which provides assistance to college-aged children of our industry members. Ronnie's also a frequent contributor to discussions within and about our industry, is often found giving speeches to her peers advocating for women, advocating for the industry on Capitol Hill, And she's influenced countless careers within the promotional products industry and beyond, mine also included. Welcome, Ronnie. Hi, Roger. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I'm so happy to have you on to to chat today. Thanks so much for uh, agreeing to come on and spend some time with me. It's my pleasure. So I, as you know, have been, um, as, as part of this series, we certainly explore topics specific to sales, as I mentioned in the open, but you know, one of the other threaded conversations that's going on within the series has to do with mindfulness and this notion of um, needing to have other channels to help become the most fully formed version of ourselves that we might possibly become. And so while I could spend hours and hours and hours interviewing you about your awesome career that I've got to be a part of and witness, I I really want to spend more time talking about your journey towards this notion of mindfulness. And, and, you know, I've, as I mentioned to you before, when I asked you to come on, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune to sort of watch from afar. And it's been fascinating to me. So when I realized that I was going to have this 
discussion be threaded around mindfulness, you were right at the top of my list of people that I wanted to speak to because I've really wanted to know the backstory and I've never, you know, you're always so crazy busy running around that I never get the five minutes to tackle you and sit you down and make you tell me the story. So <laughs> I'm super excited to have that chance. So um, right. are, are you good with that? I mean, is that, is that, are you up for it? Sure. I am totally up for it. Awesome. Um, you know, I, have made a career in this industry. I'm so grateful. I've met amazing people who have influenced me as well. Um, but I also like to do other things. And I found that the balance of all of that uh, takes some work. And um, especially the last six years, I've really spent um, a lot of time sort of tuning in, changing my frequency a little bit, um, becoming more aware of things happening around me. Um, it's, it's been a cool evolution and a very cool practice. So you can ask me anything, Roger. I'm awesome. an open book, awesome. so well, uh, go for it. <laughs> ch- ch- well, let's get into it then. I love the idea of changing your frequency. That's, uh, I will definitely, that one goes right into the, into the <laughs> mental banks there. Change, changing your frequency, that's fantastic. So... Um, you know, you, you've gone through the entire process of becoming an actual yogi. And I'm, (laughs) I'm just fascinated by sort of like, start from what was the motivation behind (laughs) making that journey? What, you know, what, what was the impetus? Um, so the, the, the backstory, um, is I worked a full time, traveled full time, um, but I have always had a love of classical ballet and dance. Okay. And so part of my, um, I guess, part of my way to relax and sort of take my mind off of things was to go to dance classes and take classes. Okay. Um, well, I, I, was pra- I was studying with this wonderful woman, and she unfortunately passed away. And another student and I um, had this crazy idea to keep the studio afloat and going in our spare time. Oh, wow. So I ran a ballet school for 12 years um, in addition to working. Jeez. And, um, and I didn't want anything to interfere with the other. And I wasn't willing to give up anything. Plus, I had a family and, you know, all, all that other stuff. Sure. And, uh, and I thought, um, okay, how do I find this balance between, you know, what I love um, as far as work and what I love as far as the dance goes. So I found a way to sort of make them work together. Uh Um, When I sold the school, you know, and I realized it needed a lot more work and attention. And I, and I was at a point in my career that I just couldn't do it anymore. And my partner, you know, was the same way. I let, I let that go. My daughter was also getting ready to go to college. And I realized I had all of this no free time right and I had been curious I had been curious about yoga um and even though I was teaching ballet and teaching dance I stopped practicing myself so I became one really stiff uh, you know like the tin man right a tin can yeah stiff and, and and unflexible and so I thought okay I'm gonna practice yoga and I'm going to get physically in shape what I hadn't counted on was what the yoga was going to do to my heart, my brain, um, and the whole other part of my, my being that I didn't even know. I, I wasn't even in touch or in tune with. 
So this unintended, so I started the practice. unintended consequence, <laughs> really, right? Because, I mean, you were seeking it more for movement. I was seeking it. And a lot of people that come to yoga sort of come at it the same way. They, you know, they're looking for exercise. Right. Um, and so that's sort of how I, how I started. And so I was going to the practice and I, you know, I realized how stiff I really was. But what they taught me on the mat is that how you react to things on your mat is the same way you react to things off your mat. And I thought, oh, okay, so patience, Uh discipline, attitude, ego, all those things presented themselves to me. And I thought, whoa. Um, So I went to, you know, a workshop and tried to sort of figure out, you know, they're they're talking about what what yoga is, Mm -hmm. not so much just the physical side of it. And I'm like, there's another side. I thought I was just kind of going through all this stuff. And so I went to this workshop and they were talking about how you change the way you eat, how you change the way you speak to other people, how you treat yourself. And I'm like, that's a thing. And so I walked away seeing a whole other side um, of yoga and I got more and more involved. Um, I practice now six days a week in the morning. First thing, uh, it's, it's how I start my day. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of days I wake up and, and I think to myself, oh, please, you know, let's just sleep in today. Um, but I've never been sorry when I've gotten myself up out of bed and gone to the practice and actually done the practice. And some days you just want to breathe. Sure. And that's okay. Like yoga is, is, could be meditation. It could be working in a homeless shelter. It could be you know, practicing on your mat. It could be driving a neighbor to the grocery store. It doesn't necessarily have to be just a physical practice. Sure. And so I realized I was going through an actually a lifestyle, a life change, a transformation in how I live my life. And then I also noticed the whole mindfulness mm-hmm. part of it, which was being in the moment, like actually on purpose in the moment, no judgment, no expectations, just being aware. And I realized I had done things where I, I think about about them a month, a year later, and I really can't remember them. And I thought, wow, I've really, I've kind of missed out on a, a lot by not being in tune and, and present. And being present, you learn not so much, of course you learn about yourself, but you really can connect to others in a very different way because you are completely engaged, totally focused. You're not thinking about anything else. Um, It's wonderful. And some people equate that to the runner's high, you know, or if you're skiing down a slope and you sort of feel that groove. It's the same type of thing, but we actually can carry it with us all day, every day. Um, and that's a, a really cool thing. So I sort of got into the whole idea, you know, the mindfulness and yoga um, at a di- on another level, really by accident, Roger. Um, it wasn't something that I had, had planned for. I will share with you, however, I'm much more flexible now than <laughs> I even was in my 20s. Good for you. For, 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 for being a, an old lady, I've, uh, I can do things that a lot of 
younger people can't. Yeah. So sure. not to brag in any way, because, you know, you want to be humble in your yoga practice. <laughs> well, uh, but, but for me, that was, that's kind of a side thing. I never anticipated that I'd be able to do backbends and right, headstands right. and, you know, all sorts of um, um, other other types of things. And, and yoga is, and, you know, a lot of people think yoga is about being a pretzel. Sure. You know, but that's not right. what it's about. Right. The more you practice, the more your muscles open, your joints open, you become more flexible. That just happens over time automatically. Uh, and it's kind of fun, you know, kind of fun when it does. And it feels good. Yeah, the, the breakthrough of that, so, right? So so it's funny to me that you now believe that the physical component was the surprise when in reality that was what you were seeking originally. So it's, <laughs> so it's interesting how that yeah, sort of right? worked out for you, right? So. Uh, but, but exactly, exactly. But as I know you to be the classic overachiever that you were, that wasn't enough. You had to say, well, now what might I do with this teaching as I'm learning more about it? So speak about the actual trip, the trips that you've yeah. made and, and kind of where so, that's taken you. Yeah. So I did a week long um, workshop with uh, a yoga teacher that I consider my mentor. His name is Greg Nardi, and he's recently opened a school in in Las Olas, which is in Fort Lauderdale. I'm very excited about that. Um, But he did an interim teaching program where I studied and at at the beginning. So I was very lucky to have a, a teacher who was influenced by Patabi Joyce in India, and now his grandson, uh, Sharat Joyce. Um, and so after I went through that week workshop, it just hit me, I want to go through teacher training because I, I just want to know more. I want to know what the asanas are, you know, the postures are named. I want to understand more about the breath practice and the focus, and I, I just want to learn more. I, I became a student all over again. So I went through that. So I have my uh, teaching certificate, um, which really doesn't, you don't have to be certified to teach yoga. Um, so I did it more for, for me. Mm-hmm. The, you're supposed to practice, you know, for many, many years before you begin teaching. Right. Um, and so I don't consider myself a teacher. I consider myself a student. However, I love to share the practice of yoga. So I do offer classes and I do, you know, like to teach and I've done so for the, uh, for the industry. Um, and so my teacher said one day to me, um, you need to make the journey to India. And I thought, I've never traveled abroad. I've never been to Europe. I've never been to Asia. On my first trip to India. So I checked with my family. They were very supportive. But you had to apply and get in. And thousands of people from all over the world apply. Really? And so, yeah. And so the acceptance came in. I had to do a month in advance right. uh, as well. Uh, so I checked with work to see if I would be able to go because it's, a month-long program that you have to commit to. So you can go for a month, you can go for two months, three months max. And I thought, well, a month, I can't really take any more time off of work. Work was very supportive. And so when I got accepted, I thought, okay, holy cow. This is really (laughs) happening. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was lucky enough the first time to travel with someone that had been there before. Okay. So I got to know a little bit more about um, what I, I got to rely on, on someone's support. Sure. And the yoga community where I went, it's a city in India called Mysore. And it is um, uh, 
it caters to the yoga, you know, the yoga community. Uh And so she taught me, you know, a lot. And I thought if I ever come back, you know, I'd like to pay it forward. And I actually went back the following year, but I went by myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, um, I can do this. The most incredible thing about practicing with people from all over the world like that in a place where none of us really call home is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, You're just there for the practice and everybody embraces each other and supports each other. Um, And it doesn't matter what your degree is in, what your job title is. Right. Uh, You're a yellow, you know. um, Yeah. Everyone's there. Everyone's there for the same reason, regardless of motivation or background, right? That's that's the beauty exactly, of it. Exactly, exactly. And so it's a very different country, and the culture is very different from here. And one of the things that I had to learn was to let go mm-hmm. and to not want to fix everything. Because sure. you go to a place like that and you, oh, oh my gosh, you know, there's so much work that needs to get done. And, um you want it all to be different, but you just have to go with the flow and accept it. Um, I think that I, I was on a rickshaw um, ride when I realized, because I'm a terrible passenger in an automobile. <laughs> and so I was a really bad passenger in my first rickshaw ride. And I realized, just let go, go with the flow. If anything should happen, you'll deal with it then. But these people have been doing this for, for yeah. years and they yeah. know what they're doing. So just, just go with it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, and I think especially really if you're feeling that connection, because what I would tell you is uh, I felt like I shared it with you by virtue of what you were sending out via social media at the time you were there. And if, if I was trying to think about this, what the, what the right emotion I could offer as a descriptor of what you were sharing, and I would say it was warmth the warmth of what was happening to you um, and the interactions that you were having with people and the way that you were telling their stories and sharing some of the lessons that you were uh, experiencing, like literally almost in real time, like as they were happening sort of thing. was well, real- Roger, yeah. Let me tell you why I posted on Facebook because I'm not usually a I Facebook. know. That's, that was not, okay. that's not your typical so, deal. So, <laughs> The real reason I was posting, it's so funny how this all worked out. Um, My parents, um, I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't able to communicate to my family very often. And I knew my parents had access to Facebook. So I promised them that I would visually and verb, you know, and through words, share my experience. The unintended, you know, it caught fire. I mean, it literally that. caught fire. <laughs> was that not only were, were were my friends following me, but my industry uh, peers were, and then their friends were. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I noticed that it really, uh, co- well, it connected me to home. So that I was very grateful uh, to. And I was fascinated by how many people that I thought had had experiences like this and that I didn't realize I was on a journey that a lot of people never right. would ever do. That to me was, you know, I consider myself very 
ordinary and very average. And this was, I figured many people, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that have traveled and have experienced things like this. Um, but it was a, uh, it, it, it was tough at first to be away from family. Sure. You know, you go through about a week where you just don't feel quite right. You feel a little unsettled. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the shower is a bucket and a cup and <laughs> <laughs> you have to be okay, you know, with, uh, with, with, with living, um, like you're, you know, you're camping and, yep. and I've done that. So, yep. you know, I'm good, good with that. But, uh, um, I would do it again. I'm actually hoping that my daughter and I uh, can travel there together some, yeah, someday. I, I could see why and that would I can be share, for sure. I yeah. can share that, no doubt. You know, that experience with her. So I've heard you say it now a couple times, and it, both through the, your words and through your stories, this notion of letting go and slowing down. So um, obviously that, that was the significant change that you felt during that time. Is, is there any other ways that you feel like that changed you? The trip? Yeah. Well, I, I became um, probably more accepting of myself. Um, it was There was some tough stuff there, and it, you had to be okay um, alone. Right. And I was, was used to being, you know, either with family or friends or work. And I have, there were a lot of times where I was, alone sure and to not be lonely right well you fill that space well and i think uh my, what what this time for me has taught me is um the idea of being with oneself is actually okay and it is okay and to not not feel like you need to fill it when it's happening because that time with yourself if you use it correctly can be very, very, very good for you. And I think we all push that idea away because of the possible discomfort that it might create for yourself. So to be distracted is easier because I'm not faced with this decision about whether or not I'm going to take this time within myself. And, you know, for you certainly, and for, you know, others that I've spoken to that are further along in this than I am, I see the results. I see the benefit. I'm witness to how it's changed people, and it motivates me to want to continue to try. So, um, so with that in mind, Ronnie, in your mind, if we're speaking and someone's listening and they're like, "Wow, like, how, what what could I do? What could what would be a great first step for someone who, if this has gotten them excited about thinking about it, what what might they do?" Oh my gosh. You could do something as simple as when you go to bed at night and you lay down for the first time before you think about, you know, drifting off and you're in your mind, you're going through your day or what you're going to have to do tomorrow. Um, simply just focus on your breath, you know, just sort of and, and take inventory of your body, you know, starting at your toes and working your way up to the tip of your nose and then your forehead and the crown of your head. Uh, just to breathe, and um, believe it or not, that that oxygen that you're breathing in, those big full breaths that you're taking in, and the time that you're allowing your mind to sort of 
relax. Uh, and imagine it, you know, like an ocean. Um, those waves are crashing all the time. You know, we're constantly bombarded with information and our front brains are, are constantly moving and, and, and churning ideas and trying to make decisions. But if you just take you know, even five minutes uh, to sort of calm the waters and, and make it still, um, that's something that simple is uh, a good way to get started. It's a very uh, soothing it's a soothing exercise to conduct, and uh, I'm, I still am not great at it. I, I make that uh, attempt on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. it's easy. Your brain st- wants to wander. and Your brain, yes. And it's okay to let that happen and not put any stress on yourself in saying, oh, no, I'm supposed to not be doing that. And it's just sort of like the brain is kittens and you're trying to teach the way for those kittens to find their way home without doing the hurting. Right. And well, you know, I think we forget when we exercise or if we ride a bicycle or we run, we practice um, because we know the first time it's not going to be good. Um, And we forget that with any kind of breathing or meditation or mindfulness, we have to practice. We can't just, it's just can't click it on and say, okay, today I'm going to be a good breather or I'm going to be able to be focused and, and, and meditative. The idea is if you're laying there and a thought does pop into your head, you acknowledge that thought and like a cloud, you let it just float away. And the practice of it, you know, I, I've been doing some research and I found that, you know, the gray matter actually changes in our brains when we allow it um, to, I don't want to say meditate, because a lot of people, we all use that word and it means a lot of different things, but um, just sort of allowing the ripples in our mind to relax a little bit um, is a very good thing um, for our bodies um, as well. And, it, and, uh, and I know for me, one of the things I've noticed, time is you know, we can't 24 hours in every day. Right. Yeah. And it's a precious we resource. Can't make any, we can't make any more of it. Right. Correct? And so what we, we can't go, okay, I, I don't like what happened an hour ago. I'm, you know, going to do that over. We, we don't have that ability to, to do that. So how do we make the most of the time that we have? And what I've learned through the last six years with the yoga and the mindfulness is that I seem to have more time. And I can accomplish more things and I don't feel so hurried or rushed. However, you know, I know when I have deadlines and things like that, but I try to be, I try to set myself up so that I'm organized and I can flow the, the, the tasks in a way that I don't allow myself to get stressed out Mm -hmm. myself up for those types of things. Well, and you, you know, by virtue Um, of repetition that even if you find yourself in that place, where you're having stress, you know exactly the steps in the mechanism to help you out of that situation. And, yep. and that to me, if there was any motivating reason for anyone to want to do it, it would be to, to feel confident that when faced with pressure and stress, I know what to do and how to get, get myself <laughs> out of it. Right. And, and literally taking a deep breath, you know, taking a deep breath at that, that moment a few deep breaths and removing yourself from that situation, even if it's for a couple of minutes, yeah. um, will make us 
you know, the choices that we make are affected um, a lot by uh, those instincts that we have. And if we can sort of slow down yeah. time, yep. um, you know, for, for lack of a better way to describe it, um, we tend to make better better decisions yeah well and if you think about it like the the thing that i think that you i and anyone that is spending five seconds thinking about this knows is the world is not going to get less stressful in the future so if we're not in a position to be able to deal with increasing levels of stress our performance will suffer our ability to be the best versions of ourselves won't happen you know there's just so much tied to this idea of having a way to be in control when you're in a high pressure situation and knowing that we're only headed down a road where more pressure is going to be to exist. So um, it's, it's totally the exact right thing. And I I hope we're doing a good job of uh, offering it as a compelling argument to anyone who's listening. So, so Ronnie, tell me this, how, how typically do you share your gift with the industry? How do you give it back now? Gosh, how do I share my gift? Um, I'm attending an event to teach yoga, a little mindfulness practice or a little guided meditation. Always happy to do that. Um, I visited, uh, as a supplier, I've had the opportunity to visit some distributor offices and I'll always say, okay, you know, I'll come and I'll do a presentation, but if you'd like a a yoga class, you know, I'm more than happy to come and, and do that. I've done it for women's leadership now for several years and um, at PPAI last year we tried it and um, I had good good feedback and people wanted to have more of it Um, and uh, you know and I and I'll always talk to anyone who is interested in in yoga sure Um, I am happy to talk via phone via text via email I'm even happy to share the type of yoga that I practice. There's a lot of different kinds of yoga. Not everything is for everybody. And what I learned, it's very funny. The first time I was invited to teach yoga for the Women's Leadership Conference, I had a great turnout. But here are like the most influential, high-powered women in the industry coming to, to, to this class, sharing with me in confidence. They've always wanted to do yoga, but kind of afraid and intimidated and I thought I get it because I was the same way because you don't know what you don't know and to walk in a place where the teacher doesn't know you you don't know the teacher you don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to do it um I get that and so the fact that people were willing to come to my class to get their first like taste of it and many shared with me afterwards I'm not so intimidated anymore. You know, yeah. now I'm going to find a, a yoga class, you know, in my area, yep. which to me is fantastic. Whether you practice at home, whether you practice at a studio or a shala, whether you do workshops um, online or, um, or if you travel to places where there's workshops. And that's the other cool thing, too, is I've I've had an opportunity to meet a variety of different um, yogis that teach and, and practice the, the Ashtanga uh, method, which is what I study. So I've traveled to other parts of the country and practiced yoga. But since we practice in the morning, typically I'll visit clients, you know, in the afternoon. Yeah, that's neat. So it's sort of opened up a whole world um, for me uh, with regards to that. 
And when I go on vacations now, I sort of look for an Ashtanga studio <laughs> so that I could, you know, if, even if I can't practice on my own, I could maybe go and, and, and practice with uh, with some other other teacher. Well, it's, it's sort of be, being, being a chef and wanting to go visit other restaurants. Right, like <laughs> uh, I, test. Yeah, well, I test know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know my own. I'm very interested in in seeing yours and getting an understanding of how they may be same and how they might be different and how individual personalities play a role in the way that people go about teaching. So, and the beauty of it is, is when you talk about yoga being a practice, practice is forever, right? So, the practice, idea of it is like. You're, you're it's never not a done. performance. Yeah. It's practice. <laughs> yeah, you're never you're never done. So that's the beauty of it, right? All right well, absolutely, Ronnie. This absolutely. is this has been so much fun for me. Uh, do you have something specific going on at Expo that if someone was interested in trying to find you, are are you is there something publicized, or do we just need to do it on the down low? <laughs> on the down low. <laughs> on the down low. Um, I'm happy if anybody's interested in, in practicing or, or talking about yoga or mindfulness or meditation. Um, I am teaching a class for PPAI um, with Bobby Lehu. It is, um, um, uh, it's, a, it's a class about thriving and, and Bobby and I share a lot of common beliefs in this area. So we sort of bring our own personalities. It's an unconventional type of class. We did really well last year, and so they invited us to come back. And that's Monday, I think, at 1.30. Um, and then I'm also doing a, a stress less. Ah, um, there you go. You figured out a way. SkewCon, <laughs> sort of like a, a 45-minute TED Talk about uh, things that I've incorporated into my lifestyle um, and sharing it with that group. And I believe that's on Sunday afternoon at 3, maybe 3.30. I'm not exactly sure of that schedule. Perfect. Uh, but if anybody's interested in reaching out to me, Roger, you know, they're welcome to have my cell phone or my email address and, and feel free to um, share that as you share the, the podcast. Fantastic. Well, Ronnie, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. it was, it's a great story. It's excellent catching up with you. We don't talk enough, and I'm really happy that we had some time to do it. Me too, Roger. Let's change that and have a fantastic 2018. You betcha. We're going to change that frequency again next year, right? Sounds good. Take care, Ronnie. Bye.